Welcome to the weekly message from Rayma Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rayma.org.au forward slash media. Amen. Turn around and look at somebody and say, you already look better. You look better already. I mean, you're already doing better. You're already looking better than when you first came in here. Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. You can be seated if you can. Hallelujah. Amen. Wow. I love going to church. Don't you love going to church? Amen. Wonderful to go to church. Praise the Lord. Amen. You'd be like that husband got mad at his wife because she went to church too much. He was so mad, said, you just go to church too much. Go too much, and I'm mad. He got so mad, he put a gun to her head and pulled back the hammer and put it up to her head and said, what are you going to do now? And she said, well, if you pull that trigger, I'm going to go to heaven. And if you don't pull it, I'm going to go to church. (laughs) All right. Today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 and I'll quote some of these verses just for time's sake but um, this is Pentecost Sunday so we're going to talk about Pentecost talk about the power of the Holy Spirit and much to be understood and more to be understood and there's a lot that's misunderstood about the Holy Spirit so we just look at the scriptures and see what he does and how he works because we know he is the same he's the same today and he's the same in Australia and the same in America, same in Thailand, same in the Philippines, same in South America. Amen. So Acts chapter 1 verse 8, <clears throat> Jesus said, But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. He says literally the influence of the Holy Spirit will go all over the world. Amen. So he said you'll receive power. One of the most unusual aspects of the ministry of Jesus was his ministry was somewhat limited. He even said, I am sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So his ministry was limited, his earth ministry. But after his death and resurrection, he said something is going to happen beyond Jerusalem and Judea. It's going to go Samaria and it's going to hit every nation and every language the power of the gospel of Christ. You can see that from Luke chapter 12 and verse 49. And so the gospel of Luke, he talks about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus actually began his first sermon with the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Holy Spirit's upon me. So Jesus recognized the need for it and responded to the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 12, verse 49 and 50. And this is a very interesting scripture that Jesus said, I am come to send fire on the earth, and what will I if it be already kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how I am straightened until it be accomplished. Very interesting scripture there. So it kind of gives you one of the reasons Jesus came. What's the purpose that he came? We know scriptures say he came to destroy the works of the devil. He came that we might have life have it more abundantly but here he says i am come see luke 12 49 he said i am come 
to send fire on the earth. So if you could put verse 49 back up there. He said, I am come to send fire on the earth, and what will I if it be already kindled? Other translations say, Jesus said, I came to set the world on fire. And he said, and I wish it was already burning. You say, well, what's holding you back? Well, the next verse he says, and he said, I am straightened, uh, or I have a baptism to be baptized with. Other translations say, I must be plunged into a flood tide of suffering. In other words, Jesus was talking about when he would go to the cross, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. He said, but I must be immersed into a flood tide of suffering. He said, and how I am straightened until it be accomplished. See, the word straightened there just simply means I am limited in what I can do until the cross, the death, and resurrection. I'm straightened until that's accomplished, but after the resurrection, the death and resurrection, after the blood of Jesus is shed, he said, my purpose will be to set the world on fire. <laughs> well, here he's not talking about judgment because we know on the cross he took our judgment. Here he's talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Actually, even John the Baptist talked about it when he introduced Jesus. He said, I'm going to baptize you with water, but there comes one after me who will baptize you in fire and in the Holy Ghost. Get baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. Isn't that interesting? John the Baptist talked about this fire. And he said this fire of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In other words, the Holy Spirit didn't really come like in a form of jello or something that's insignificant. He came with fire. I've never seen anybody act cool that got on fire. That means the fire of the gospel and the fire of the Holy Spirit, he said that fire will burn up the chaff. In other words, any area of your life the devil's tried to hinder, harass, and cause you to be defeated in and, and bind you, he said the fire of the Holy Spirit will burn that off of you. And that fire of the Holy Spirit will ignite the gift of God and the call of God in your life. Actually, Jeremiah said it in the Old Testament. He said, I decided I didn't even want to serve the Lord or do what he call, called me to do. But he said, his word was like a fire shut up in my bones. Everybody say fire. fire. Now, all you got to do is holler that out at a public place and everybody will pay attention. <laughs> Are y'all still here? In other words, Jesus saw the church and believers in every nation like a fire that would burn in individuals and would burn in churches that would literally bring the power of God into nation after nation. So Jesus said, that's my assignment, is I came to send fire on the what? The earth. In other words, Jesus' vision was beyond Jerusalem, beyond Judea. His vision was that fire would hit Australia. And even though he never personally came to Australia, he never personally went to India, he never personally went to the United States, he said, but I can see ahead that through the power of the resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the revelation of the resurrected Christ is going to hit nation after nation through the power of the Holy Spirit. Fire. Everybody say fire. fire. Amen.
One thing about fire is you just can't be passive about it. Amen. When you get on fire, you will probably move in ways you weren't even planning on moving. So now, in association with the Holy Spirit, that he comes in many ways, but he said he is like a fire that will hit nation after nation, a fire that comes from heaven. All right, so now turn to Acts chapter 2. Are you ready? So the day of Pentecost, we want to see what happened on the day of Pentecost. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he does, he brings the fire of God. Actually, we know that Ezekiel actually saw the Lord, and he said, what's the Lord look like? Anybody want to know what it looks like? Ezekiel said, I saw him, and he looks like a man that's got fire from his loins down and fire from his loins up. So God looks like a man on fire. So you can't get close to God without getting what? On fire. Amen. What will that fire do? Burn up the chaff and ignite the gift and the call of God in your life. Amen. All right, let's read Acts chapter 2 because we're going to talk about the day of Pentecost. Praise the Lord. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, says they were all in one accord and in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind filled the house where they were sitting. And it says, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. We know there's 120 there, and it says the presence of God like a wind blew into that place. I've been in many meetings even nowadays where the Holy Spirit and the wind would just fill the place, the glory of God. Then it says, then fire got on each one of them. And it says this, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled. And it says, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now it says they began to speak in a language that they had never learned. The Apostle Paul said later that when someone speaks in other tongues, it could be the tongues of men or of angels. Actually, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, the Apostle Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than all of you. So the Apostle Paul, how many think he was a pretty good Christian? He believed in speaking in other tongues, being filled with the Holy Spirit. We know he was filled when Ananias came and laid hands on him to be filled with the Holy Ghost. When it comes to the speaking in other tongues, Paul probably gives us more definition of the purpose of speaking with other tongues than any other writer. Paul says, when you speak in other tongues, Paul said, your spirit is praying and you bypass your mind. Your intellect doesn't know what you're saying. I call the Holy Spirit God's head bypass operation. Now, why would God want to bypass your head? That ought to be obvious. But why would God want to bypass human thinking or our own thinking? Because obviously you have blockages there. So the Holy Spirit bypasses your peanut brain and flows right out of your mouth. And Paul said, when you speak in other tongues, your spirit is talking to God who is a spirit. So you're really on his channel, spirit to spirit, praying in a supernatural language. Then Paul said, when I pray in other tongues, I'm speaking mysteries or divine secrets. And then Paul said, when I pray in other tongues, my spirit is edified 
So when your spirit is edified or built up or strengthened, then your flesh will not dominate you and circumstances will not dominate you, but your inner man, your spirit man, is strengthened by the Holy Spirit. So what happened on the day of Pentecost? They really didn't have a whole lot of definition of it. Paul gave the definition later, but they had the experience before they got the definition. Are y'all still here? Nowadays, we have a lot more definition and a little less experience. They had the experience, and then they had to get definition later. Y'all still with me here? So on the day of Pentecost, they were what? All filled. Well, what's happening here? They are speaking in a supernatural language they've never learned. And it says they did that by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a fire burning in them that came from the resurrection of Christ. What is going on here? Well, how many want to read just a little bit more and see what's happening here? And it says, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem, devout men came from every nation under heaven. And it says, and they got together. Look at verse 12, Acts chapter 2, verse 12. And they were all amazed. They were in doubt, saying to one another, what meaneth this? What does this mean? And people have been asking that question for 2,000 years. When they go to a spirit-filled or Pentecostal church, or have a Pentecostal experience, they say, what does this mean? Everybody say, what's that mean? All right, how many ever had that question when you went to a church and people were filled with the Holy Spirit? You go, what's that mean? So that's the same question. That's a 2,000-year-old question, so it did not originate with you. So they've been saying this for years. What does this mean? What does it mean? The presence of God, the glory of God, they're filled. And it says this, and others mocking said they are full of new wine. Or they said these people are acting like they're intoxicated. Well, they actually have been drinking but they were not drinking any whiskey or wine. He said, they're acting intoxicated, and they started to make fun of them. You know, in other words, there could be a move of the Holy Spirit that people would actually start to mock because they don't understand it, and they'd say, well, this is funny. That's ridiculous. So if nothing ever happens in your ministry or your church that people think is ridiculous, then you don't have an Acts chapter 2 experience. Thank you for your enthusiasm. That means when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there ought to at least be one person in your family that thinks you've lost your mind. So you actually have lost your mind, and you've got the mind of Christ. Thank you. That's a much better one. All right? So he says this. Are you all ready for this? They said, what's this mean? Verse 14. <laughs> Peter, standing up with eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea, all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be known unto you, and hearken to my words. Verse 15. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. Peter says, these are not drunk. Well, what is this? Jesus told them to be endued with power. What is it? Look what Peter said it is. Verse 16. He said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and my servants and my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. That's amazing, isn't it? So Peter quoting from the prophet Joel. Now, I read this years ago, and I thought, why was Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost? Well, Peter shouldn't be preaching. I mean, he just denied Jesus three times. He should be in minister's rehab somewhere getting counseling. And if Peter would have been like most people, instead of quoting from the prophet Joel, Peter would have stand up and said, y'all know me, I'm Peter. 
Yes, I'm the one that denied Jesus. I didn't mean to. I didn't plan on it. Didn't want to do it. And I'm very disappointed in myself. I struggle with depression every day. I saw Judas hanging, so I thought I might go hang with him. I thought my life is not worth living. Besides that, I think they're going to put it in a book and people don't know about it for 2,000 years. So he said, I denied Christ three times. Not just once. After I did it once, I thought, I'll never do that again. And then I did it again. And then I said, well, I'm glad I'll never do that again. Then I did it a third time. Then the rooster started crowing, and I thought, I'd like to kill that chicken. In other words, so to, to this day, that's why preachers eat chicken. But anyway, he, Jesus looked at him. Peter denied Christ. You can imagine the depression that was, he was struggling with, but Jesus, after he was raised from the dead, said, be sure and tell Peter. In other words, something happened on the cross through the blood of Jesus that when Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, he was changed into another person. And actually, he never mentioned his failure. Isn't that amazing? When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, He will make you forget your failure. He'll make you forget your past. Why? Because the Holy Spirit takes the reality of the blood of Jesus and the reality of your redemption and the reality of the triumph of Christ. The Holy Spirit takes it and makes it a reality in your life so you don't have to keep looking back and saying, I wish I would have and I wish I could have and I should have. But you can say, I'm free by the blood of Jesus. Jesus, I've been washed in the blood, and the Holy Spirit makes that such a reality that you're literally changed, the Bible says, into another person. You forget your failure. How do you do that? Oh, he did not have to go through six years of counseling. Huh? He didn't get up and say, well, I'll be on medication for the rest of my life. No, he said, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And what has happened today is the fulfillment of a prophecy by Joel that we are now living in the last days. We're living in the final generation. Come on now. The dispensation of the Holy Spirit when God is going to break every barrier. He's going to cross cultural barriers, ethnic barriers, financial barriers, language barriers, and pour out His Spirit in Africa, India, Asia, Australia, America, all over the world. Jesus. Jesus said, this fire is going to set the whole world on fire. Not just a fire for Jerusalem, but a fire for your family and a fire for your house and a fire that sets you free that comes because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. I said, thank God for the Holy Spirit. Amen. Notice what Peter had to say here, that Peter just stood up <laughs> And when he received the Holy Spirit, Jesus said the Holy Spirit's job, when he comes, Jesus did a lot of teaching on the Holy Spirit. He's preparing them. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes, when he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes. Jesus is pretty excited about that, wasn't he? How many think Jesus was excited? He said, when the comforter comes, when he comes, it's going to be to your advantage for me to go away. And they're like, really? <laughs> I mean, if you were hanging out with Jesus for three years, you'd have a hard time swallowing that. You're like, really? That's why Jesus kept saying, verily, verily, verily. <laughs> it's going to be to your advantage when I go away. 
He said, because if I don't go away, the comforter cannot come. Well, that doesn't mean he wasn't there, but because of the death and resurrection of Christ. Listen now, the blood of Jesus and the cross has done something so radical that now every man can have the Spirit of God move inside of him. Something must have happened at the cross that's more than you were being forgiven. You were not just forgiven. God moved on the inside of you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of every believer. Mm, Let's see. That means you can no longer say, I'm only human. Mm, Come on. I know that's been your excuse. Well, I'm only human. Now, what do you expect from a human being? All us human beings. Listen now. Listen, Jesus, you have to say I'm also human, but I'm not only human because the Spirit of God lives in me. My body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. In other words, something so radical happened in the death and resurrection of Christ that Jesus was making a new kind of humanity that never existed before. Are y'all still here? In other words, Jesus didn't go to the cross, extreme suffering, go through death, be raised from the dead, and say, well, uh, I hope that helped you out a little bit. If I could help you in some small way, just on a day when you're feeling down, just think about this. No, Jesus didn't say this is going to help you in some small way. He said all power in heaven and in earth is given unto me. That means something radical has changed and heaven has now opened and you are a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away and everything becomes new. In other words, this brings radical change. But the reality of what Jesus has done for you comes from the Holy Spirit. I like to say it this way, the Holy Spirit takes what Jesus has done for you and makes it a reality in you. A reality in your experience. Come on, so you don't just have victory for an hour and a half on Sunday morning, but the Holy Spirit goes to the house, goes home with you. He's the greater one. Jesus said it's going to bring you tremendous advantage when the Holy Spirit comes. He's going to move in you. Amen? Or you could say it this way. The Holy Spirit takes what Christ has done for us and what Jesus is doing for us. Let's try that one more time. The Holy Spirit takes what Jesus has done for us and what he is doing for us. And he translates that into personal victory. Without the Holy Spirit, you have a lot of theology and no reality. The moment you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the freedom that comes through the Holy Spirit. I love the story about the the monk that was living in the monastery, and he had been living there for many years, and his hair had grown out, and he's trying to be holy, and he's trying to please God, and he'd been living in this monastery for years. And finally, one day, he went down into the basement of that monastery, and he broke out the original manuscripts of the scriptures, and they heard him scream out of the basement. He screamed, it's celebrate. All those years he had been living celibate, and the original manuscript said celebrate. He thought, all this time I've been suffering, and the original word said celebrate. And here I was living celibate, and I've suffered like this, and the original word said celebrate. God wants me to celebrate, not live celibate. 
Without the Holy Spirit, you have a lot lost in translation. <laughs> and you can see people's faces and tell them they're like, now, nah, what did he mean by that? But the moment the Holy Spirit gets involved, he said it's time to celebrate. In other words, the triumph of Christ has now become your victory. And he is alive and he lives on the inside of you. And this outpouring of the Holy Spirit is literally a declaration that Jesus is alive. Peter said what you now see and hear has come from Jesus at the right hand of God receive the promise of the Father, and he has poured out what you now see and hear. Hallelujah. I like to say it this way. You cannot get a sad Holy Ghost. Because in the book of Acts, every time they were filled, they were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. In other words, the happiest people in town are not the ones with the most money. The happiest people in town are not the prettiest people because I've seen some pretty people get pretty ugly. So I'm just saying. <laughs> not the cutest people, not the coolest people, not even the most talented people. You'll find the happiest people in the world are those who've been washed in the blood of Jesus and been filled with the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and smile right now. In other words, the joy that comes from the Holy Spirit that actually those who have been filled like the day of Pentecost. In other words, you cannot bring your own definition to your relationship with the Holy Spirit. You'll have to take Jesus' definition and the book of Acts' definition. They were filled. They began to speak. They're like on fire. And Peter said, uh, these are not drunk. Someone said life was not meant to go through sober. Let's try that again. I said, life was not meant to go through sober. Why? Because, man, you got to have something if you're going to deal with this life. Here, you got to give me something, man. That's why you got drugstores like on every corner. Probably not in Australia, but in the United States, you'll have a Walgreens on the corner and a CVS on the corner. They even have like drive throughs now. Come on, people just drive and they go, I need some drugs. So they just drive through and say, give me something. In other words, the whole world is on some kind of a drug. Listen, the moment you're filled with the Holy Ghost, come on now, to deal with the situations of life, the Holy Spirit brings the reality of the triumph of Christ. The moment you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you live in the consciousness that Jesus' victory is your victory. Just go ahead and laugh just for one minute. I, I don't want to disturb you too much, but just laugh just for one moment. Go, ha, ha, ha. In other words, the moment you're filled with the Holy Spirit, amen, the Holy Spirit brings you into the realm of revelation. All right, let's try this out over here. In other words, the Holy Spirit, my daddy always said, he's a genius. He said, if you'll listen to him, he'll make you look smart. He said, but we know you're not that smart. But if you've got a genius living in you, if you'll listen to him, he'll make you look smart. But we know you're not that smart. But the Holy Spirit lives in you. Jesus said he's going to live in you forever. Mm. Amen. He's going to move in you forever. I thought that's interesting, you know, that the Holy Spirit literally, he said, is going to move in you for how long? Forever. I thought, 
that's cool, you know, the Spirit of God. Think about the Holy Spirit. I mean, when Jesus is talking about him, that's not when he is first introduced. The Holy Spirit really was first introduced in Genesis. In Genesis. Think about the personality of the Holy Spirit, will you? Here it says in Genesis that the earth was without form, and it was void, and chaos, and everything's in a mess. And it says, and the Holy Spirit moved in the chaos. I thought, that's his personality. What a personality. Huh? That means the Holy Spirit is not afraid of any kind of mess. No matter how big the mess is, no matter how bad the mess is, the Holy Spirit will go, hmm, I believe I can fix this. And the <laughs> I mean, even if you're a mess, come on, and your marriage may be a mess, and your family may be a mess, and your business may be a mess, and your life may be a mess, and the Holy Spirit will go, hmm, I believe we can fix this. And the Holy Spirit will jump right in the middle of your mess and things that are in chaos and things that are out of order and things that are messed up and he'll start working and changing and rearranging. He'll make something beautiful out of what seems so ugly and messed up. The Holy Spirit will jump right in the middle of your mess. You'll even try to tell him, Holy Spirit, I think we're too far gone. And he'll say, no, Woo! You'll try to warn him, Holy Spirit, I've had a lot of people work with me and it hasn't done very good. But the Holy Spirit, <laughs> even if you're a slow learner, the Holy Spirit will work with you till you get it. <laughs> Don't look at nobody right now. I said, even, <laughs> that means the Holy Spirit, <laughs> if you're a slow learner, you're going, you know, I'm just not getting it. I'm really not getting it. Obviously, I don't get it, and I'm not getting it. I've been going to that church down there, and people raise their hands, and yabba, 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 and I don't even know what's going on there, and obviously, I'm not getting it, right? The Holy Spirit will say, no problem. I've worked with your kind before. <laughs> you know the Holy Spirit has a reputation. Throughout history, he has worked with some real losers. Don't look at nobody right now. I said, the Holy Spirit has been known. Actually, he'll even pick out the worst losers and call them to preach. Why do you think I'm up here? So, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I didn't choose to do this. Man, no, I'd be a lawyer and rob everybody. But no, I'm just kidding. So, I, just kidding. There's a joke about that. But anyway, so the Holy Spirit. <laughs> The Holy Spirit can work with any kind of person and any kind of person you think can never be fixed and the Holy Spirit will just keep working. And he'll keep working and he'll keep working until one day you'll go, oh, that's what you're trying to say. Ah. Amen. The Holy Spirit will keep working Actually, there's a guy in the United States. I watch, you know, American football. And, and so in American football, there's a man in the United States who trains uh, quarterbacks. A quarterback's the most important position in American football. And those guys make $25 million a year if they're a good quarterback. So the quarterback's very important. So if you ever had a child that became a quarterback, you would never have to worry about retirement. 
So there's a lot of parents that send their child to this man who is a coach, and he's known as a quarterback coach. So they'll send their children, even as early as 10 years old, 11 years old, and they'll work and pay a lot of money to this coach because he has a reputation for making champions. In other words, his product is these young boys come to him, 10, 11, and 12, and they go through high school, they go to college, they get scholarships, they play in the NFL. He has a reputation for producing champions. Hmm. When you understand the power of the Holy Spirit, he has a reputation for producing champions. That means at the earliest possible age, you want to take your children and you'll say, now listen, kid, you're going to go to this school right here. You're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, Dad, you say, I'm going to snatch all the hair out of your head if you don't listen to me right now. <laughs> You're going to go to church every Sunday. <laughs> You're going to study the Bible every day. Because we need a champion in this family. <laughs> in other words, the Holy Spirit has a reputation for making champions. He'll say, you remember that guy Gideon? What a loser he was. <laughs> loser. Gideon was living in a hole in the ground. Had nothing. His whole life was a wreck. And an angel showed up and said, Gideon, you are a mighty man of God. And Gideon went, wrong address. <laughs> Gideon said, <laughs> you know, God will tell you things that there's actually no evidence it exists. Let's try that again. I said, God will call you things there's no evidence it exists. And so the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and says, you are a champion. Notice, God didn't come and say, now you have great potential. <laughs> he told him something that God said he is. Right? And Gideon said, wrong address. He said, I, I come from the, the worst tribe. He said, I come from the poorest family. He said, I'm the worst kid in the whole family. And the angel said, perfect <laughs> you also have bad breath but anyway so he said he said just kidding i threw that in there that's not in the original hebrew but he said you're the worst come on he said i'm the worst but the angel said you are a mighty man of god you're a champion Finally, Gideon began to agree with God, and the Bible says something happened. It says the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. <laughs> he definitely had a personality change. Look at somebody and say you might consider that. In other words, the Holy Spirit came on Gideon, 
And he had such a confidence and a boldness in what God had said that he is. Listen, the moment you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not that you just have potential, but right now, by the blood of Jesus, you are washed, you are redeemed. Right now you're saved. Right now you're righteous. And the Holy Spirit brings the reality of that. You're out of theology. Now you're into reality. Come on, go ahead and smile, huh? Come on, if I was in Arkansas, we'd say, show your teeth. Oh, maybe show your tooth. So, now, what happens? That's where the toothbrush was invented, was in Arkansas, because if it's invented anywhere else, it'd be called a toothbrush. So, now, I know there's no rednecks in Australia, right? It's all right. Filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. I said, thank God for the Holy Ghost. I said, thank God for the Holy Spirit. Listen, Jesus said he's going to move in you forever. Listen, if somebody was just going to come and visit, I mean, you wouldn't go through a whole bunch of lists of things, you know. If they're only going to be there a few days, you go, it'll be all right. But if they're going to move in forever, you're going to like, uh, we're going to have to figure out a few things so that we can get along here. <laughs> Since we're going to be together forever. <laughs> you say, now how long is he going to be there? Jesus said, forever. <laughs> so this is a radical change for the Holy Spirit. I mean, think it, he's got to work with some of us. I mean, so the Holy Spirit... He has to have experience. He's got like a Ph.D. in working with idiots. But the Holy Spirit, none here, maybe in the United States. Listen, but the Holy Spirit is so patient and so kind. Y'all still here? He brings the love of God and the love of Christ into every situation. And the Holy Spirit moves on the inside of you for how long? Forever. So that means if he's only going to come and visit, then he would have to bring some of his stuff, right? But if he's going to move in, he's going to have to bring all his stuff. Well, how much stuff does he have? Well, Jesus said everything the Father has, everything Jesus has, the Holy Spirit's going to take all of that stuff and move in you. How much stuff does he have? He's got a lot of stuff. He's been around a long time. And he don't just collect stuff, he actually makes stuff. So when the Holy Spirit moves in you, come on, he's in you. He's in there. And once he comes in, most people are going, oh, hallelujah. We're so glad he is here. Could I just raise my hand up like this to the Lord? No, I won't go any higher. No, just like this. You say, lift those hands up. And they go, I've got it up as high as I can get it right now. So the Holy Spirit moves in you, and he's in there, and you're like, I'm glad he's in there. I know I'm saved. Sure ain't going to hell, I can tell you that. So that's a, that's a real relief. So the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, right? And he's in there, and he goes, uh, I'm glad I'm here. He said, good to be in here with you. He said, but uh, I do have some stuff I need to bring in. You say, well, how much stuff you got to bring in? He said, well, he says, well, a lot of stuff. Now, where is it? Well, I got traffic backed up about 16,000 miles. 
I got like a big truckload of joy. I'd like to get that in because obviously you need some of that. <laughs> then I got a truckload of peace. I need to bring that in. I got like a truckload of healing. I got to bring that in. Then I got about 20,000 truckloads of blessing. I need to bring some of that in here. Then I got like a truckload of revelation. Obviously, you're lacking in your information. I'm going to bring you some fresh ideas. If you're from Texas, you say ideas. I'm going to bring some ideas, some new thinking for you. You say, well, bring it on in, Holy Spirit. He'll say, well, I'd sure like to bring it in. He said, but I can't get my stuff in until I get your stuff out. He said, well, you, 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 you mean you want to take some of my stuff out? I mean, I, I've had this stuff a long time. I mean, it's like runs in the family here, mama, grandma, and stuff like that. And I've had this stuff a long time. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit says, once you see my stuff, you'll have no trouble with me moving out your stuff. So when the Holy Spirit's moving, he's literally moving. Let's try this side over here. I know we got the sharp group in here somewhere. I said, when the Holy Spirit's moving, what's he doing? He's moving. What's that mean? He's moving your junk out, some of your attitudes, some of your habits, some of your thinking, some of your tradition. And when he starts moving that out, then he starts moving his stuff in. When he moves his stuff in, you'll say, whoo, whoo. How much stuff you got? Uh, well, I'll save you. I still got a bunch more stuff I need to get in here. And you're going, I feel like I'm already filled. <laughs> he says, well, we want to keep it that way. But the Holy Spirit, when he fills you, when he fills you. So Jesus said, when he comes, receive him. So he's a person. You have to work out your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Like when you get up in the morning, you have to say, Holy Spirit, I know you're in there. Don't act like you're not in there. I really don't feel like you're in there. But I know you're in there because Jesus said you'd be in there forever. I need some help. So Wigglesworth said the Holy Spirit, when you're filled, that he will think through your mind. Listen, when the Holy Spirit's thinking through your mind, you know somebody else is using your mind. You're like, I have never thought that before. <laughs> That's revolutionary. You want me to love my enemies? <laughs> I never thought that. You want me to forgive somebody? Uh -uh, I sure never thought that. Right? The Holy Spirit fills you. He thinks through your mind. Wigglesworth said he has power over your intellect. He has power over your voice. What does that mean? That means when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he takes the victim out of your voice. He takes the whine out of your voice. Well, if you know, my back is going out here, and the bright thing going on. Been so hot out here all day, and I I think I ate too many pork chops. I don't know what's going on in my life. So the Holy Spirit, 
No, nobody in here, but you ever know people just kind of whine. Even if you tell them to make a positive confession, they'll do it like, I can do all things through Christ. Thank <laughs> Even God saying, shout out. So listen, <laughs> the Holy Spirit <laughs> takes the whine out of your voice, and he puts victory in your voice. He gives you a new boldness and a confidence. Like when Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost and he stood up and began to preach. Wow, his life was changed forever by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Ghost, learning to recognize him. I think a lot of people kind of have the Holy Spirit kind of tied up and gagged like in the basement. They, you know, he's in there, but they got him like tied up. And you can see him, he's in a chair down there, he got a gag in him. He goes, oh, oh, you say, you be quiet. I know I got you down there. Now stay down there. <laughs> Holy Spirit said, let me out. And you say, I, I can't let you out right now. Last time I let you out, you had me laughing. And I was so full of joy. <laughs> People thought I was smoking dope or something, man. I was like walking through the church. And I was going, <laughs> In other words, the joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. The people got him tied up and gay. If you ever let him out. They said, no, I'm not, I can't let you out. I'll let you out when that guy, Mark Hankins, comes for three days. But we'll probably have to put you back up after he leaves. But the Holy Spirit, instead of letting him out annually, or you say, this is my annual release of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's why people go crazy sometimes, is they don't let him out that often. They're like, ah! The Holy Spirit. <laughs> you say, oh, let me out. And you say, I can't let you out right now. Last time I let you out, you had me witnessing to people I didn't even know. I just started talking to them about the Lord. <laughs> Holy Spirit said, let me out. You say, no, I can't let you out. Last time I let you out, you had me paying my tithes and giving more money, and I was planning on giving <laughs> Instead of having an annual, have a daily recognition of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, when he comes, he's going to help you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to take everything that I've done for you, make it a reality in you. In other words, the Holy Spirit, when he comes. So several years ago, I just want to read this article, and then I'll, I'll let you go for this morning. We'll take up here tonight. But the Holy Spirit, I was reading this article several years ago, and I was walking through an airport, and my secretary sent me a photo of it, and then the office here enlarged it for me. And so I, I got it now where I can read it. I got this out of a Newsweek magazine. I was walking through an airport years ago, and I saw this article. Newsweek magazine. The front cover said, the 50 most powerful people in the world. I thought, well, I'd sure like to know who they are. Besides that, my picture may be in there. <laughs> I don't know how I missed the interview, but my picture must be in here. So I got the magazine, <laughs> and I started reading a list of presidents, you know, and then listed, you know, the billionaires, listed entertainers, you know, politicians. And as I was reading through the 50 most powerful people in the world, then, before it got over now, they listed a man from Nigeria named E.A. Adeboye. I thought, E.A. Adeboye, 
I thought, attaboy. <laughs> you made it in the top 50. Who is E.A. Attaboye? And here's what it said. I'll read parts of it to you real quickly here. It said, Attaboye is pastor of a church in Nigeria. I preached a lot in Nigeria, so I know who he is now, but I didn't know then when I read this. And it says that he has 5 million people in his church in Nigeria alone. His church has a million people. While we were just there, one of his board members came to our meeting, and he said, we have one square mile of roof for we can put over a million people under one roof, and we're now enlarging that to three square miles so we can gather three million under one roof. Hmm. In Nigeria. And this guy made the 50 most powerful people in the world. I thought, well, let me find out something about him. And they said, this guy, Pastor Adeboye, and it says, and he believes in miracles and he is a Pentecostal preacher. Oh my God. A Pentecostal preacher. <laughs> I said, he's a Pentecostal preacher. So now Newsweek's going to have some fun with this Pentecostal preacher, right? So Newsweek says, he's a Pentecostal preacher. He believes in miracles. And here's what Newsweek said. And Pentecostalism is the biggest, fastest growing Christian movement since the Reformation. Aha, uh -huh. Pentecostal means you've received the Holy Spirit. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You call you charismatic or something, but you believe what happened on the day of Pentecost belongs to every believer. So he's a Pentecostal. And they said in the United States, when Sarah Palin was running, you know, in the presidential campaign, they took a picture of her in her church, and people were speaking in other tongues and had their hands lifted up, and they tried to put it on TV that she was a crazy idiot. But actually, they did not know. This says that how common this picture is to hundreds of millions of people. So here's what they said. They said that the world now has 600 million Pentecostals. It is the largest group of Christians after Roman Catholics. In Asia, the number of Pentecostals has grown from 10 million to 166 million since 1970 in Asia. According to the Center for Study for the Global Christianity at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, and in Latin America, Pentecostals have expanded from 13 million to 151 million. So even the Pope is concerned he has lost control of the Roman Catholics because they have been filled with the Holy Ghost. How can we get these back? I have some bad news for you. They probably ain't coming back because the moment you're filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> hmm. Oh, well, let's keep reading. 151 million just in South America. In North America, 19 million to 77 million in North America. In Africa, 18 million to 156 million Pentecostals in Africa. And here's what it says. And by 2050, most of Africa will be Christian. 
Listen, the news media, CNN and Fox News and whatever you have over here, and the, you know, they'll, they'll just say, they'll say, let me tell you what's happening around the world. And they'll show a few isolated incidents of extreme Muslims blowing something up. But let me tell you something. Something much bigger is happening than just a few extreme Muslims blowing something up. We are living in the last days, and God is pouring out the Holy Ghost in nation after nation. They should take a video of what happens in church. Amen? So here's what it says. It says by 2050, most of Africa will be Christian, professor of Christian history at Duke University, and most of those will be Pentecostals. Hmm. The whole continent. Actually, I was just preaching in Nigeria largest churches in the world in Nigeria and they say that the next 30 years the greatest distribution of the gospel in the world will come out of Nigeria you say what happened wow the Holy Ghost and the power of Pentecost you say what makes Pentecost different here's what Newsweek said but I know you already know the answer here's what Newsweek said what makes Pentecost different is Pentecost have Pentecostals have such an impact because they talk of the here and now not just the by and by in other words the moment you're filled with the Holy Spirit he does not just bring you into what's going to happen in the sweet by and by the Holy Spirit brings the reality of Jesus into the nasty now and now in other words not someday when you die but today the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you and he's given you authority over every devil and every situation you're not a victim anymore he's the greater one that lives in you he's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead he makes you more than a match for the devil in every situation and no government can stop it no man can stop it no religion can stop it this comes from the resurrection of Christ Jesus is pouring out his spirit all over the world ah excuse me I almost acted like I was on fire <laughs> feel like fire the anointing of the Holy Ghost and here's what it says it says today now we pray for the sick we lay hands on the sick the sick are healed we believe in miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit cancer has to go arthritis has to go in the name of Jesus we pray for the sick we cast out devils. That means anything the devil's trying to harass your mind through fear or shame or depression, in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit empowers you. Cast them out. That means don't ask them to leave. You say, I'm throwing you out. <laughs> Amen? Fill with the Holy Spirit. He brings the power of God into our lives today. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. I said, thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. 600 million, and this was written a few years ago. So if anybody tells you, they say, you go to that church? They talk in tongues. 
You go to church talking tongues. Really? You go to a church of people talking tongues. Wow. Do you go to church where they pray for people? Ah, uh, and they fall on the floor sometimes. Oh. Do you go to church where they cast out devils in the name of Jesus? Oh. They say, I think you belong to a little cult. You say, no, no, this is not a little cult. This is a gigantic cult. <laughs> there are actually 600 million of us around the world in nation after nation and language after language that believe in the power that raised Christ from the dead and the power of the Holy Spirit. Woo! Somebody ought to go ahead and shout right now. Woo! Come on, I belong to that group that has been filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes right now. Father God, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. How we need the Holy Spirit. Without him, we can do nothing. So we recognize our need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We yield ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We surrender to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, that you magnify Jesus in a way that we never could without your help. You bring us into personal revelation of Christ, personal experience with the victory of Jesus. Lord, we surrender to you. Fill us again and again to be filled again and again, to yield to the Holy Spirit. He takes everything Jesus has done for us and makes it a reality. Holy Spirit, we humble ourselves to recognize and respond to you. We yield to you. Today, show us the power of the blood of Jesus. We live in the reality of that blood and that power, the reality of redemption. We yield to the Holy Spirit. We make room for him, not just on Sunday, but on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, we fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We yield to the Holy Spirit to be filled. He brings such liberty and such freedom from every kind of bondage. We thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Teach us more that we'll learn more of how to yield to the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How great is your goodness. How great is your victory and your redemption. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story that you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.